Hi, welcome to Death and Desserts, where we discuss the dark, disturbing, and beautiful elements of death whilst eating dessert. I'm Zarya. And I'm Sana. And today we're discussing Antarctica. And today's dessert is hot chocolate, because we're talking about Antarctica. <laughs> and I want to be warm, and I am. If you'd like to see what we're drinking, you can check it out on our Instagram. It's just standard hot chocolate, I guess. It was the Lando Lakes brand, and I dumped, like, over a cup of the plant-based heavy cream into the pot and then a cup and a half of oat milk and it's hazelnut flavored and there's a ton of marshmallows in there and I think I even put a dash of cinnamon in there it's so good it's thick it's the way I like hot cocoa you don't make hot cocoa real hot cocoa with water no so yummy and sucking it through a straw is such a bad idea I'm gonna like guzzle this (laughs) (laughs) All right, so instead of death trivia today, I thought it being the new year, and new year is like the time for divination. So a couple of podcasts that I listen to, Calling All Spirits and Lux Occult podcast, they did bibliomancy for their last episodes, and I thought that would be fun. So I'm totally stealing their idea, sorry ladies and so we can do one for each of us and then one specifically for the podcast you can do a question or just a general reading but you open to a random page and then you like circle your finger over it and pick a sentence or passage I've never done this before (laughs) I've done it but it's been a hot minute Okay, well, since you've done it, you get to go first. Great. (laughs) You're like, fuck you. Well, I don't know that I have a specific question in mind. Let me ruminate. Okay. All right, what'd you get? This is hilarious. Oh, okay. Oh, what book are you reading from? I pulled up Mistborn by... (laughs) <laughs> Brandon Sanderson. I don't know why. It was just the book that caught my eye. <laughs> okay. So, I don't know. if you, Do you want to know my general question? Do you care? I mean, if you want to share it, I'd love to hear it. <laughs> well, so, my general question was kind of like, what have I had in 2022 that no longer serves me that I need to leave in 22? And, um... Are the plans that I'm kind of laying the foundation to the right path? And okay. here's my answer. Okay. She shrugged. There's no reason for me to know all of your plans. Oh my fucking god! <laughs> what is <laughs> that? Is the most nihilistic shit I have ever heard. Oh my god, that is so classically Zarya. And how well that worked. That freaks me out just a tad. That's amazing. Okay, your turn. Oh, dear. Okay. I'm just going to ask, what does 2023 hold for me? Like, I, I don't usually like divination. Like, I don't want to know. Gosh. <laughs> like, so this is, you know, weird for me. Okay. I'm reading from The Ancestor, 
a novel by Danielle Trissoni. But as she came closer, I understood that this was not one of her usual episodes. My child was in pain. For the first time in many years, I felt something close to the sentiments I had felt at her birth. Awe at what I had created. Compassion. Well, at least I'm pretty sure the child in pain thing is just a metaphor. <laughs> no, that's what I was going to say. Like, at first I was like, no, not my babies. But it really feels like it has nothing to do with them. <laughs> It may not, and it starts off with mentioning in an episode, so... Right? I think it's about the podcast. (laughs) Huh. Interesting. Interesting. Compassion. And all of what I've created. Yeah, I don't think it's about your kids. Interesting. Okay, I'll ruminate on that for a little bit. I'll be ruminating on how there's no need for me to know any plans. (laughs) So fucked up. (laughs) Okay, and then we're going to do one for the podcast. One for the podcast. Do you want to hold the book and you pick the page, I'll pick the passage. Okay, and we are reading... We are reading from A Haunted Road Atlas, Sinister Stops, Dangerous Destinations, and True Crime Tales by Christine Schieffer and M. Schultz of the And That's Why We Drink podcast. So I figured if we're doing one for a podcast, let's... Uh, do it from a book about a podcast. <laughs> okay. And what question do we want to find regarding our podcast? Do we want to ask just a general question? Or, you know, just get a general sense of the year to come? Or do we want to ask, is Patreon the right move? Uh, do we need to step up our game? Yeah, let's do... What improvements should we be focusing on? Okay. While other kids were jumping rope and playing hopscotch, Kemper cut the heads off his sister's dolls and coerced his sisters to play a fun game he invented called Gas Chamber, in which he pretended to writhe in pain until he quote-unquote died. In the ultimate, that escalated quickly, at age of 15, Kemper killed both his grandparents simply to see what it felt like. If this is the universe telling us to go into true crime, I can say, no. fuck off, <laughs> universe. <laughs> Let's look at it symbolically. Okay. Um, I don't know. Decapitating dolls and gas chamber. Dramatic? Escalating quickly? Possibly. I guess we could bring the drama. Yeah. It also mentions him doing things to see how they feel. Yeah. I don't mean we're going to kill our... No, it's telling us to experiment. Yeah. I can get down with that, yeah. It's not telling us to kill our grandparents. Oh, God, It's no. not telling us, you know... <laughs> it's telling us to do things just to see how they go. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're going to do. Okay. I'm excited. All right, 2023, 20, here we come. So... Hold on, I need a cocoa break. Okay. <laughs> My husband got me a box with tons of little vials full of different flavors of hot cocoa so it's two packets of the lando lakes hazelnut and then one bottle of that hazelnut it's yummy yeah it's good i'm a fan Mm. so what are you talking about today we're talking about death on antarctica because it wouldn't leave me alone in my brain (laughs) it was like talk about death in antarctica so so we are. <laughs> so in 
So a few quick Antarctica facts from www.coolantarctica.com. I wrote, all the firsts are very Eurocentric. <laughs> so just let's keep that in mind. This is, for all these firsts, it's pertaining to the Western world, not like somebody else could have discovered Antarctica and just not said anything. <laughs> Colonizers gonna colonize. I mean, that's, yeah. All right, so supposedly the first sighting was by Russian ships in January of 1820. I forgot what they were doing there. I think they were whalers, but uh, they were sailing around in the Antarctic Circle and they saw that peninsula that juts out on the left mm -hmm. and they were like, what the hell? That's a whole continent. I don't know how they figured out it was a whole continent, but they, they saw Antarctica for the first time, supposedly. The first undisputed landing was by Henrik Bull in 1895, and he was the captain of a ship called the Antarctica. Basically, I think he was going down there specifically to check it out. Mm -hmm. And then subsequently, lots of other people were going down there trying to figure out what was there. So there's a lot of other claims to who first landed on there. Because, like, Henrik took six people, went, rode over to the shore, stood there for 30 minutes, and then they went back to their boat. They were like, okay, we did it. <laughs> and, like, it's fucking cold. They were not prepared. <laughs> No, but it also seems like a, a long journey just to be like, okay, cool. Right? Well, I don't think that's all they did. But yeah, they, they definitely side-quested <laughs> getting on Antarctica. And the wildlife on Antarctica mostly is penguins, like, I want to say four species of penguins? Whales, seals, albatrosses, and other seabirds. And, you know, there's like krill and shrimp and shit in the water. I mean, it's mostly snow, so I don't know how anything is surviving there at all. And you can get all those facts on coolantarctica.com. And I'm also including... <laughs> Uh-oh. There are a lot of conspiracy theories about Antarctica, including that there is a tropical area inland on the continent there isn't how would the i don't know and there's some nazi stuff and aliens of course pyramids of course there's all kinds of conspiracies so i'm i'm gonna include that link so everybody can go look and laugh at all the conspiracy theories the thing is you you would never know what was or wasn't because it's so untouched i mean i, I mean, know that people come in and out but still that's true i'm sure that there's plenty that no human eyes have seen on i mean it's a whole fucking continent <laughs> i mean i'm not suggesting it's got a tropical I'm just saying, <laughs> i mean there could be they swear you can see them on like satellite photos and stuff like that and that when they are visible, somebody will actually go and cover them back up with snow. Okay, that's bananas. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm going to just bring my snow shovel and just cover mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Okay. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. So, the dangers of this extreme environment include crevice fields or crevasse fields, if you're feeling fancy, whiteouts, sharp-edged ridges and grooves. The wind really, really packs the snow. 
and ice and it's I mean it's like rocks and it's sharp and jagged and crazy. Hurricane speed winds and temps that can get to negative 40 degrees Celsius, which my brain can't even comprehend. That was actually another reason we're doing this because that polar vortex that just happened and froze so many asses. <laughs> like we were cold mm -hmm. and folks in Western New York, that blizzard just was very, very bad. Yeah, it was zero here. I can't imagine what negative, negative 40. 40. Yeah. Like you expose a tiny piece of skin and it's ice. I, I don't, I can't. So that's what's there. What Antarctica can do to your body. If you go to this extreme environment, one of these things is bound to happen to you. Probably several. If you get lost, all of them, maybe. <laughs> Malnutrition, sunburn, snow blindness, frostbite, exhaustion, muscle cramps, and hypothermia, of course. This was one of my favorite things to look up is what Antarctica can do to your mind. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's something called winter over syndrome that is specific to Antarctica. Well, it's not specific to Antarctica. It happens in cold places, like the Arctic Circle as well. It's brought on by the isolation, stress, sensory deprivation, and possibly even the effect of cold on the thyroid gland. Symptoms are depression, hostility, insomnia, sluggishness, absent-mindedness, and long eye or the Antarctic stare. Uh, which is basically when you just stare off into space in a mildly hypnotic state, which I do that all the time. We don't need to take you to this. I area. cannot go to Antarctica. I will just be blank the whole time. <laughs> While winter over syndrome can't kill you itself, it can absolutely lead to death. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it can contribute to like mental health things that can contribute to some other stuff. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised to learn if all the accidents and some of the disasters that are on my list happened because of winter over syndrome mm -hmm. and the absent-mindedness that happens with it. There's also polar madness, which is the psychosis brought on by isolation, disrupted circadian rhythms, hormonal changes from the cold, confinement, monotony, all the stuff that causes winter over syndrome can also cause polar madness. And that includes delusions, hallucinations, obsession with violence. Either you want to commit it or you're afraid, like paranoid of it, that it's going to happen to you. Mania, paranoia, hysterical blindness, deafness, or muteness. There was actually a man in the article that I read. It was in the 1800s, I think. And this ship, I don't think it even made it to Antarctica. It like got stuck in the pack ice and they were stuck for a year <laughs> and one of the guys on the boat went deaf and mute for over a week because of polar madness and when he finally got home he could you know speak and hear stuff again but he was never same. no <laughs> he was mentally ill for the rest of his life i had no idea that this was a thing yeah i should have <laughs> Right? I mean, all of this completely stands to reason. When they first started exploring this and everybody was coming back completely crazy, that's how H.P. Lovecraft was like mm -hmm. so terrified and fascinated by it that he wrote stuff like At the Mountains of Madness. Yeah, so people that, you know, were never going to set foot on the continent are just hearing stories about all these guys going crazy. Mm-hmm. 
It makes perfect sense to me that it would be the basis for many a horror story. My favorite being The Thing. So I think this was Wikipedia. I feel like there would be more deaths. Granted, I know not a lot of people are on this continent at any given time. I feel, okay, in my opinion, there are more deaths. They're not reported. Yeah. It's gotta be. It's gotta be, right? Just because on the research alone that I found, as far as, like, all the jurisdictional stuff, mm-hmm. I'm sure that it's like, eh, we're just gonna leave this here. Like, who would know? Nobody would know. Nobody. The government wouldn't know, unless you had a family member at home just riding your nation's butt, like the UN or whatever. Even then... They would just ignore you. Mm-hmm. All right, so, since 1819, even though nobody knew it was there until, like, 1820... Yeah. There have been four shipwrecks. So I guess that's why it like was first sighted in 1820, even though somebody shipwrecked on 1819. They didn't come back to tell us. 23 aircraft crashes since 1929. It's not just people flying to or from Antarctica. Tours from New Zealand and South America will like buzz over the continent and like show people like if you look out your window to the left stuff like that and then they fucking crash because they shouldn't be over there in the first place (laughs) i know that the bermuda triangle has been debunked but what if there's some like next level shit in antarctica and it's like like the aliens and the pyramids and that peninsula that i was talking about Supposedly, there's some kind of magnetic anomaly that draws every expedition that way. Read the conspiracy page. I'm going to. This, I find really hard to believe. There's only been one snowmobile death accident that resulted in death in, tw- in 2016. That's been reported. Let's That's been reported. That there on. have been other snowmobile accidents, but they Didn't survived. Death. I got yeah. you. Since 1948, there have been three fires... And at least one work accident in 2018. Again, I don't believe this. (laughs) I think Wikipedia has some big holes in it. Two workers asphyxiated while doing maintenance on the fire suppression system. That, to me, smells like winter over syndrome. There's only been one murder, and I'm going to mention it, and then we're going to talk about how one would investigate such a thing. But in... May of 2000, Rodney Marks, an Australian astrophysicist, was poisoned by methanol, and how he was poisoned remains a mystery. The doctor did it! The doctor did it! The doctor did it! (laughs) Do you know more about this story? I... Yes, so, okay, this dude is, like, a very chill bohemian guy with, like, dreaded hair. He's very chill. Really? Everybody really loves him. They talk about what a good personality he has. He's, like, engaged to somebody. He's, like, the little darling of the base or whatever. Everybody loves him. He's got no enemies. He's got a very promising career. Everything's going great for this man. And then one day... He just starts getting, like, really sick to his stomach and feeling nauseous and feeling really bad. And he, like, goes to the, the doctor on the base. And the doctor gives him some kind of, like, injection. And it makes him feel better for a little while. But then he feels bad, so he goes back. And he comes back a couple times. And then he just dies. So they didn't have anywhere to put his body to store it. Mm. Because at that time, no planes or ships could come in. And so they just packed him somewhere for like six months. And then once the United States and Australia had agreed that New Zealand could do the autopsy, 
they went and took his body and ran tests and was like, oh, methanol poisoning. And so it was like, oh, well, did he die by suicide? And it was like, well, no, he had everything going with him. Why would he do that? So then the next line of opinion was, well, then he was well known to have like an alcohol, like he imbibed a lot. So they're like, well, maybe he accidentally drank it. And they're like, he's an astrophysicist. He didn't accidentally <laughs> drink it. And they're like, well, maybe he didn't know that he drank it, blah, blah, blah. So this is why I say the doctor did it. They had a blood analyzer machine on the base that he could have put uh, Rodney's blood into to check. And it would have given him the numbers that he needed to correct, blah, 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 to save the man. Hmm. And miraculously, the machine's batteries had died. And so the doctor had turned it off on the day that Rodney died. And so if you were to replace the batteries and put it back on, it would have to calibrate for like up to eight to ten hours. And so he was like, yeah, I'll just leave it off. And then miraculously couldn't use it on Rodney. And then he dies. So you could say, oh, well, that's not a huge, maybe that's not a red flag. Maybe it's just coincidence. Okay. So when they started investigating, New Zealand had sought out the people on the base to ask questions for, and a lot of the people on the base just ghosted them, including the doctor. The doctor vanished. They never heard from the doctor again. Tell me the doctor did not fucking kill that man. Oh my god. I mean, did he fall into a crevasse? The doctor? (laughs) Maybe. Was he... I mean, maybe. Maybe he had no motive. It's just convenient to me that he would turn off the analyzer since it wasn't working or whatever and then not be able to power it up for Rodney. Hmm. It's weird. Yeah. And I then agree. to just ghost the whole investigation to and it's been investigated for decades well, two decades since, and the doctor still hasn't been found and they're just like, Oh well, there's no there's nothing proving foul play. We don't know how he died, but it was of that poisoning. Did he drink it on purpose? No. I find it shady. No, he didn't. I find it completely shady. I mean, he had his fiance there with him. He had a promising career. So she was there with him. Yeah. See, then that makes me think not winter over syndrome or polar psychosis or anything like that because he had his human contact right there. He was, you know, right. getting laid. And and they were like, well, um, he drank a lot. And they were like, yeah, but he had ample alcohol there on the base. He right. didn't have to drink rubbing alcohol or whatever it was. Maybe he heard the story of Michael Malloy and wanted to see. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's bananas. So, who investigated that murder? Was it the U.S. or New Zealand? Just New Zealand? New Zealand because, so he was on an American base, but mm-hmm. he was Australian. And so, ordinarily, if you are, say, American and you die on an American base, America will investigate. If you're mm-hmm. Russian on a Russian base, blah, blah, blah wherever you're uh, a citizen of is whoever will do it. But this is where it gets shady. So what if you are a Russian on a French base? Is it France or Russia? Do they agree? I don't know. Like, it's very confusing. How often do they interact? Like, would a Russian be on one of the French bases? Like, borrowing a cup of sugar or something? (laughs) Like, (laughs) are they allowed to do that? Do they have to go through, like, I don't know, channels or something to ask permission to go on bases? That's a good question. I don't know. Oh, okay. Sorry. (laughs) Most American operations within the Antarctica are 
including the South Pole base, are within the Ross Dependency Territory, and New Zealand claims that base and that okay. area. So I guess it depends, because nobody can agree, or at least not everybody agrees, which territory, unquote, belongs to whoever, even though none of it is owned by any nation. So some people have signed the treaties saying this territory is mine, this territory is mine. Some of the territories overlap. Hmm. It's bizarre. It's complicated. So since there's no recognized territory, there's no legal jurisdictions. It's uh, Argentina, Australia, Britain, Chile, France, New Zealand, and Norway make territorial claims of the Antarctica and the U.S. and Russia exercise sovereignty at their own research stations. But, like I said, none of these claims are recognized by the Antarctic Treaty, and some of the territories overlap, and some nations disagree about other nations' claims. Oy. Oh my god, people. The general rule of thumb is that if a U.S. citizen commits a crime at a U.S.-owned research facility, the U.S. court would prosecute it, and that's the same for all the other countries. I mean, that makes perfect sense. But if you had a case where you had a clear murderer, and the murderer and victim were from different nations on a different base, who prosecutes that? Who has jurisdiction? I don't know. I guess they would have to figure out a way to cooperate legally. Like, just investigating. They would have to do it in tandem or something. I don't know. Thank God I'm never going to Antarctica. That also threw me down a a mild rabbit hole when I was like, well, can you be a citizen of Antarctica? And I was like, no, okay, you can't. It doesn't matter if you're born there, because there have been like 11 people born there. (laughs) Can you imagine? So the people that were born there, the first person that was born there was born on an Argentinian base, so he's Argentinian even though he's born on Antarctica. So again, with the jurisdictional bullshit, what if you're born in an area or a camp or a territory that's not claimed by anybody, like does it go by your parents? Like... Isn't that weird? Because there are parts of Antarctica that are outside of the territories that are claimed or whatever. Right. Like camps and stuff. So, say your mom, you know. I think you take your mom's citizenship and then, like, you can take the dad's citizenship later with paperwork. Or if you were, maybe you're a dual citizen. Like, if you do land on a territory like (laughs) your mother's citizenship and the dual citizenship of the territory you landed on i mean maybe i don't know we could spend all night wondering about this so but the the main point was is that the jurisdictional bullshit also affects repatriation and like claiming bodies and like Mm. international funeral crap and we'll get to that. I have a story about that actually we're gonna go through some strange deaths I mean, by definition, they're all kind of strange because it's... Antarctica. Right. Right. (laughs) So, in 1986, Edgar Evans was presumed to die of a head injury and scurvy, but all his symptoms were also consistent with anthrax, of all things, and which turned out to be present in the stables that had been there since 1911. So, this man cut his hand... In the stables in Antarctica, where it gets negative 40 Celsius, and anthrax got into his cut 
and he got sick and died. How do, First of all, how does the anthrax get in the stable of Antarctica? In the early 1900s, when they were building all the bases, they had beasts of burden from the Himalayas and China and stuff like that. They had cattle, they had ponies, stuff like that. And yeah, so they had herd animals that were accustomed to the cold, that could function in the cold. And so that's what the stables were for. And they had anthrax spread their anthrax to like the wood and the nails and stuff like that. And it survived in negative 40. Apparently so. They actually, this happened to him in the 80s. And then the scientist actually didn't discover the anthrax was there until 2002. What? And yeah. So I'm not sure how they discovered it or why they were looking for it. But they were like, oh, hey, I wonder if that guy had anthrax and not scurvy. So that's pretty fascinating. Maybe the, <laughs> and very scary. Yeah, maybe those temperatures like freeze the whatever. Right, and just preserve it. Yeah. And then when it hits warm blood, it like perks back up. I mean, remember, it's a one celled organism. Yeah, because remember, was it Norway? Long you're being. Long you're being. It was long you're being where the black, pl- no, not black plague. It Fever. was a plague of some kind. Like, stayed in the ground for mm-hmm. ever. Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah. Cold does not kill everything. Just I'll remember that. Just us. <laughs> Just us. All right. Xavier Mertz may have died from starvation and exposure, or he may have been eaten by his colleague, Douglas Mawson, in 1912. Wait, what? Wait, like, either he died or he got eaten. Did he just disappear? Why would you... He has... They've never found his body. So he could. He was on an expedition with Mawson, who miraculously survived several weeks being lost on Antarctica. And he said that he survived after Mertz passed, and he, you know, just left his body wherever... And then he could eat Mertz's share of the provisions. And then after that ran out, he slowly but surely killed all the sled dogs and ate them. And that's how he says he survived. But other people picked apart his story and were like, "Mm, you still didn't have enough supply. You ate Mertz. (laughs) And he... He was never found, so they cannot prove it. Listen, if you're about to die and you have to eat somebody for survival, you do it. Uh, if they're already dead. Well. <laughs> like, I I mean, they're, basically they're saying that he killed Mertz to eat him. Well, I know, but like, if you're both going to die, take one for the team and just eat your buddy. <laughs> the team being you. Always look out for number one. <laughs> If we ever go to somewhere Arctic, I promise I won't eat you until you're dead. Thank you. Okay. And I promise not to have anthrax. <laughs> <laughs> Multi-millionaire and extreme vacations enthusiast Stephen Thomas fell into a crevasse. And that's all there is on that. I think that was a snowmobile accident. I think that was the one in 2018. Um, this one is a huge bummer. In 2009, Barbara Johns... The daughter of a biologist who turned down an expedition to Antarctica and regretted it for his whole life, except that that expedition failed and everyone died. (laughs) 
So, like, he's the only one that survived because he stayed in Argentina. His daughter, like, almost 100 years after that happened, she had been planning her whole life to go to Antarctica and, like, finish the job, you know, and, like, have someone in her family go to Antarctica and experience it and blah, blah, blah. So she had been saving and planning and all that. And um, before the ship even got to the continent, she fell in her cabin because of rough seas and hit her head and died. And that very night, they saw their first iceberg indicating that they were there. That is That sucks so, so hard. Oh my God, it's so bad. Okay, that story kind of lends to the supernatural kind of like spooky feel of the mm-hmm. Antarctic. It's like, no. You were supposed to die too. I repelled your gonna... father. Right. You, know, <laughs> you came, although I told That's you That's some not final to. destination shit. Yeah. She took her father's place. Yeah. <laughs> okay, this one is definitely fuck around and find out. This was a bad idea. Six men with Adventure Network International did the first South Pole skydive. Three of the men's chutes malfunctioned and they hit the ground with enough force to shatter every bone in their body. Why would you jump out of a plane in Antarctica? Hey, why would you jump out of a plane? I mean, I can get that. I understand that, but... But also, what are the chances of all three chutes, like, just, is it that... They're actually saying that... They likely had hypoxia and didn't even pull their chutes. Okay. Yeah. Like, yeah, the oxygen, because Antarctica's air already very low on oxygen. So to be, you know, up in a plane, even less oxygen. And, you know, I'm sure that they're used to that or whatever, but Antarctica was just more than they could handle. Mm-hmm. And they ended up with hypoxia. That is the assumption. In... 1965, Carl Robert Disk was there over the winter, and he had been using hand lines to get back and forth from camp to station because you couldn't see anything. It was too dark because it was winter, and, you know, it was the, the weather conditions usually white out. And so he'd been using hand lines, and he was supposed to use the westbound hand line to get to a station and he didn't show up at his scheduled time they couldn't bring him back up on the radio and they mounted a search for him and found intermittent tracks heading south so he was supposed to be heading west he knew where that line was he had already used it several times and he had just like wandered off south and they said was he, like, tripping balls, hallucinating? Um, they don't think so. They think it could have been hallucinations. One searcher said there were there was no shortening of strides. So he wasn't, like... Pausing to think. He, he was wasn't like pausing. Exactly. He was, like, booking it through the snow, striding with purpose towards something. So either he could see something or something was actually there, or he meant to kill himself on purpose because he had polar psychosis. He was never found and is assumed to have been swallowed by a crevasse. In 1914, this one's going to piss you off. Did you see this when you were looking briefly at my notes? I I don't know. What is it? Uh, It's the cat. 
No, I didn't see it. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. I have an emotional support cat in my lap. Yes, you really do. In 1914, a cat named Mrs. Chippy, despite being male, was shot on board the Endurance by the captain after the ship got stuck in pack ice. The cat's owner, Henry Chippy McNish, believes it was out of spite because the captain and the carpenter hated each other. Like, McNish was always, like, second-guessing the captain and kind of, like, challenging his authority. The captain fucking hated him. So he thinks he killed his cat out of spite. The captain and several of the other people on board said it was because they were stuck and he did shoot all the other animals as well because they couldn't afford to feed them with their supplies. Mm -hmm. They didn't know how long they'd be stuck there. So he killed all the animals so that they could eat them and so that they didn't have to feed them. But, I mean, cats eat very little. And the cat could have caught rats for them. It would have been great. Right? I mean, if there were rats on the ship, because there sure shit ain't any rats on Antarctica. I certainly hope that the cat's owner didn't have to eat his own cat. No, I don't think so. Um, I hope that makes it better. McNish is buried in New Zealand, and there is a statue of Mrs. Chippy on his grave. Oh. This is another bummer, and something, I mean, you try to prepare. There's always shit you can't foresee. Always. In 2001, adventuress Philippa Gregory, who had had diabetes since she was like five, so she had type 1 diabetes, she knew how to manage it, she had all her supplies, all her insulin medicine with her, the doctor said she could go to Antarctica. She slipped into a diabetic coma and died because she was so seasick, she couldn't keep any food down to interact with her insulin. Yeah. That would be a terrible She prepared so fucking hard. She was like, this is not going to be a handicap for me. This is not going to hold me back. And they were all sick. Everybody on that ship was seasick as hell. And because she was so seasick, she didn't make it. My mom's neighbor, his name is Steve, he runs a rescue for hounds specifically, and he has given me permission to share this amazing story. His father was, I want to say some kind of engineer, computer engineering maybe, Um, like he helped invent the answering machine, and he helped design Canada's early warning system, and I have written here, he was a global expert on protecting the national network infrastructure from terrorism, including doing the research that found Bin Laden. This man was important. (laughs) and smart and if he raised Steve he's got to be cool too like (laughs) and he was a world traveler he had gone to 77 different countries I think wow maybe more something like that yeah and you know he's hiking and fishing and photography and like really into the natural world in October of 2010 he found out that his triple bypass had failed and his heart was basically going to give out on him at any moment and he and Steve got together and cut down a tree together (laughs) so that Steve could have firewood for that winter it was before he moved here they lived up in New Jersey and I think he told him that his bypass had failed and Steve could kind of tell anyway like he wasn't up to snuff 
but he decided to just go on like, like nothing was wrong and he had planned a, a trip to Antarctica to go see a penguin rookery a nesting rookery like he was gonna go take photographs and stuff like that and and he just did this like that was his vacation mm-hmm. it wasn't like his job it was he he just wanted to go to Antarctica whatevs it's cool and like after that trip he had a trip to Norway also booked but he took a Russian icebreaker down to the continent and from there on the coast took a helicopter inland and they landed about a mile away from the nesting rookery so that they wouldn't disturb the penguins. So he hiked that mile from the helicopter to the rookery, started setting up his camera equipment, his tripod and everything like that, and fell back into the snow. And yeah. (laughs) Oh my god. And... He died doing what he loved. Steve likes to think he died in awe. Mm-hmm. Like, can you get 4,000 emperor penguins right there in front of you? It's sad, but it's kind of beautiful. If your option is to die staring at a white wall in a hospital where you're uncomfortable and they wake you up 500 times a night and you're eating shit food and your family can't be with you constantly, mm-hmm. it's better to go out doing what you want to do what you love to do and sing 4,000 penguins. Exactly. And that is exactly how Steve feels about it. We think that that's how Rocky felt about Did I even mention his name is Rocky? You did. <laughs> okay, I, I do know his given name, mm-hmm. but Steve said, trust me, he would go by Rocky if you were interviewing him. So that's what we're doing. <laughs> and the fucked up thing, there were other people on that expedition to go see the penguins so they didn't leave right away they took him back to the ship and he hung out in their freezer for a month and ended up in argentina and i guess i'm not certain when he was embalmed if he was embalmed before they put him back on the ship or if he was embalmed i should have asked or if he was embalmed when he got to argentina like after they thawed him out yeah, because he wouldn't have needed it in the freezer, so it probably was. It probably was in Argentina, and Argentina is a very Catholic country, mm. we know, and Catholics only recently started using cremation, which were Rocky's actual best wishes. He wanted to be cremated, and his ashes scattered in various areas, including Antarctica with the penguins, and Argentina told Steve no. Mm-hmm. They're like, no, we're not cremating him. That's not happening. And he asked if, well, can I have him back then? And it would have cost $50,000, more than my mortgage currently, to transport him in a special coffin from Argentina to New Jersey. Or even, like, to Florida. So why, did, why would he have had to have a special... I guess so that it doesn't leak. I, I'm not certain, but $50,000 was out of the fucking question. But, I mean, ridiculous amount of money to transport him home. So Steve was like, well, if you're gonna bury him... Like, there there were many back and forths. Right. And the funeral home in Argentina and the Argentine government were very unhelpful, very uncooperative... And very uncommunicative. So why did he even... Why why did uh, Argentinian... That was the closest... Okay. 
Yeah, basically, um, where the ship was docked was probably on that little peninsula that I keep talking about. Yeah. And it's like... I gotcha. You could probably throw a rock from it and hit Argentina. Or Chile. But he ended up in Argentina, Oshawa, mm. Argentina. And... He called them back and was like, well, if you're going to bury him, you've already embalmed him, which he also didn't want done. Uh, You know, can you at least just put him in a shroud or a pine box so that he decomposes as quickly as possible and becomes one with the earth again? This man was a staunch atheist. And they were like, oh, we already buried him three days ago in a pauper's grave with a Catholic funeral. Oh, my God. Such fury. Such fury. Oh, my God. I mean... I've read this story like three times because he posts about it every once in a while on Facebook. And every time I just get so pissed. And somebody his dad knew actually went down to Oshawa and took a picture of Rocky's grave in the cemetery. And I can post that picture. And I will definitely post a picture of Rocky. And I mean, it looks pretty. It's on the coast. It's overlooking the ocean. And this man... If he couldn't have been cremated, he wanted to just be dumped over the side of the boat. Like, anything but what happened. You know, hang out with the penguins, right? Mm-hmm. And it turns out he is hanging out with the penguins because penguins often overrun that cemetery in Oshawa. And that is just the best thing ever. <laughs> like, he's still hanging out with penguins. That's so great. Huh. So, yeah, that's a an Ar- Antarctic death that I know... Mm. By one degree of separation. He was a really cool guy. And Steve said if he had paid the Jesus ransom to Argentina, his father would have disowned him. So he's, I mean, first of all, he's an atheist. So he really doesn't care where his body is now Mm -hmm. at this point. This is crazy. I wonder if there are any kind of arrangements you can make if you're going to protect yourself from being stuck in a country. I don't know. It's curious. I feel like... There is. I think you have to have that paperwork, like, on you. Yeah. But I think that you can have arrangements made in case of. I don't think that he had those arrangements, because he honestly thought he was at least going to make it to Norway. But Mm. that one-mile hike in Ant-fucking-Arctica, in his heart, was like, you know what? I'm done. (laughs) It's just funny, because... You know, we talked about how jurisdiction affects, like, criminal processes and legal activity, but it also really fucks with, like, death stuff. Mm-hmm. So, it's like, they obviously have no local coroner that is just there. I don't understand why they don't. I mean, people do die there. I don't know if they're like, oh, well, you know, only so many thousand people a year are here. They're not permanent residents. Fuck it. Or if it's just a lack of wanting to get involved with a very delicate, complex crap of the jurisdiction or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It's weird. So, they have international funeral directors. I don't know if you know that. but I, I didn't of, know that. I kind of bumped into that when I was doing research because I was like, well, what happens if you do it out there? I mean, I know X amount of people and that's such a tiny number, but like, what happens if you do? And so, they have international funeral directors that are like, who specialize in international repatriation. And so, those international funeral directors would be engaged by whichever government claimed ownership of the base or the area that the deceased died in. And then those international funeral directors would coordinate with whoever's actually on the ground to get somebody back. So, like, if a British citizen died on a British base, then the Foreign and Commonwealth Office would get with a UK funeral director who would reach out to 
like whoever was closest, the a UN ship, if there was a plane, whatever, and then ask for assistance getting the deceased off the base and move that person wherever the coroner could get to them. But again, the same with the criminal stuff. What if you die on a territory... Which is what happened to Rocky. Rocky was not on a base. He was right. on... Exactly. Yeah. So Apparently then... they just ship you to the closest possible funeral home. No. No? That's not what happens? No. I'm saying yes, that is what happens. No, I don't want it. Right? I mean, I guess you can, you can get cremated in Argentina now, right? But it's still very... Oh, yeah. They're... Not it would Yeah. I, it is likely to not happen because of how uncooperative they are. I say this as a person that has agoraphobia and will never leave the country and, like, I'm just going to wind up in mm-hmm. Antarctica and be like, what's up, penguins? Like, <laughs> Honestly, I mean, I have a little bit of wanderlust and curiosity and I still would never... I mean, penguins are cool, but no. <laughs> I don't like being cold. And I would absolutely die. I also don't think it would be that much of a problem because my dumbass would have fallen down a crevasse, for sure. I would have made it to the crevasse. I, I would have been the person that slipped and hit their head on the boat or whatever and died of... Didn't even get there. Or I would be the person that started hallucinating and like just waltzed off into the snow. I mean, that happens. Yeah. And that happens at both poles. In the North Pole, there's actually something called... I think it's just Arctic hysteria is what it's called. And the symptoms are really bizarre, but I had listened to a podcast about Ada Blackjack who survived on an island by herself for two years in the Arctic Circle off the coast of Alaska. She had gone with a specific expedition and when they first got there, she ended up with Arctic hysteria. It's actually not uncommon among Inuit women. Inuit women tend to get it more, but Inuit men can often get it. Like, anybody can. I wonder what tends to happen to Inuit women more. I don't know why women more, but it happens to people that live near the Arctic Circle because of their diet is one of the hypotheses. Uh, So high in certain animal fats that you end up not absorbing other vitamins and stuff and you end up... I was thinking that... I guess I was thinking that in areas within like the Arctic regions, I, I guess I was thinking temperature thing. Like you'd be acclimated to the elements and blah, blah, blah. So it's not an elemental thing. It's like a nutritional, It's partially. It's hypothesized that as part of it, but it absolutely is the elements as well. It's the isolation and the, basically her crippling fear of polar bears and the isolation and the loneliness because those guys weren't, you know, I mean, they were, some of them were nice to her. Most of them, some of them weren't. There were like four of them and mm-hmm. two were nice and two weren't. And yeah, it, it's the isolation and the cold and the, the vastness of the world out there. And yeah, it, I mean, it took her about a week or two to get her bearings, but like she would wander off into the wilderness. She sobbed every single day. Uh, she kept throwing herself at one of the explorers because part of it is an increased libido arctic hysteria is kind of crazy i was fascinated by that episode (laughs) i googled it but apparently arctic hysteria doesn't like happen in antarctica and i wonder if it's because they're not there long enough i don't know because i think the longest anybody stays in antarctica is 18 months and they're like you have to go home you have to. Like, most people just stay for a few weeks before the window closes that they can leave the right. continent. I mean, they have the seasonal workers there, but they also have year-round 
people there. Yeah, yeah, they're only allowed to stay 18 months so that they don't completely lose their marbles. The more you know. Right? It's yeah. the magnets. It's the, <laughs> it's, the it's, magnets. it's the magnets and the pyramids. And the aliens. And the aliens. <laughs> I've always been, like, kind of fascinated by Antarctica because of movies like Alien vs. Predator. Have you seen that? I don't think so. I no. think that was inspired by that pyramid conspiracy stuff. Good, good movie. It's, it's definitely my favorite alien movie. Might be my second favorite Predator movie. Mm-hmm. But AVP is, like, one of the best in my opinion avp requiem bad bad don't watch it but (laughs) but the first avp was great and that was in antarctica and i mean they show like the southern lights which they're just as cool as the northern lights and the thing like they're all horror movies that happen in antarctica because it's a horrific concept to most people Mm -hmm. to be there my cousin had actually been approached I think during Tough Mudder, it's like a, kind of like a triathlon or something like that. I don't think you have to be a professional athlete or anything like that to join it. But he did Tough Mudder one year and he was approached to work at a station in Antarctica. They're like, you have the physical capabilities And you have the mental toughness because he had lived in American Samoa for five years doing uh, Peace Corps stuff. And they're like, you know, you we think that you would, you know, not thrive in Antarctica because nobody would. (laughs) But, you know, you could handle it. And he turned him down. (laughs) Thank God. Yeah. (laughs) And a friend of mine actually... Amanda, who baked our cake in the first episode, she applied for a job to be a chef baker at a station in Antarctica. And I mean, obviously it didn't work out. She's still here, but like the fact, like, did she find that on indeed? Like, (laughs) (laughs) how do you even, how'd she find out about that? I I thought that was cool. I was like, wait, you can just like apply for a job in Antarctica. Like, I mean, they need plumbers. They need people to keep the stations running. I guess I never thought of it. Right? Not everybody there is a scientist. Right. (laughs) You gotta take care of the scientists. I guess I never really thought about it. You know, somebody had to go and build these stations and, and camps and research centers and hang out there and survive while they were building it initially and then go and upgrade it and update it and I guess I never, I never thought of it. Yeah. It's like it just, arrived <laughs> right they didn't just like land on antarctica and like throw up a pop-up tent <laughs> which i'm sure they do that too but like that's probably just what they stay in until they get their permanent so this building. is why i'm saying there's been way more deaths and it's just underreported it has to be it has there's to be. no way since the 1800s our dumbasses have been going down there. In every nation. It's not like it was just America's. I mean, like, think of all these countries. Yeah. There's physically no way. Honestly, America was, like, one of the last ones. Yeah. There's no physical way that that's... So, I, I think if you're going to kill somebody, um, go Do to... Do it in uh, Yeah. They can't persecute, prosecute you. Well, they can't... Don't go on a base. <laughs> go on a... Right? Yeah. Go on a camp. Go on somewhere that's not claimed by territory. Because I guess what happens on the ice stays on the ice. <laughs> I guess so. Da-da-da-da-da. Credits. Research was done by both of us. 
Big thanks to Steve Rothrock for giving me permission to talk about his dad. Our music is from Kevin McLeod. All editing and art is done by Zaria. As always, you can find us at Instagram at Death and Desserts Podcast, Twitter at Death underscore Desserts, TikTok at Death and Desserts, and Facebook at Death and Desserts Podcast. All our links, including our website, are available in our Instagram bio. Join us in two weeks when we discuss near-death experiences. Let's do near-death experiences next week because I actually have one recorded on my phone when I went to the community kitchen to do the cold grace innkeeper thing. The woman that was with me is actually a Presbyterian minister and we talked for like two hours and she told me a story. So join us in two weeks where we discuss near-death experiences. Yay! And remember, life is short. Have dessert. <laughs>